Welcome to the fourth and final episode of our Leading on the Field series focusing on sports leadership, coaching and management. You're listening to the One-Eyed Man podcast. This episode would not have been possible again without the team at Forward Zone who've helped us source some incredible guests over the last four episodes and of course Platform 45 who have supported us now for as many episodes as I can remember being a part of the family making the One-Eyed Man podcast possible and we really do appreciate their ongoing support. My guest in studio today is Coach Caetano Tembo from Supersport United. Coach Caetano grew up in Zimbabwe, uh, was drafted into Dynamos, or scouted into Dynamos, the top Zimbabwean football team. He played for Zimbabwe at a national level. Uh, was scouted then again into Supersport United here in South Africa and really that's where his, the rest of his career has been. Uh, he suffered a, a horrible injury that cut his career short and has moved up through the coaching ranks in Supersport United to the point where in 2018 he was uh, appointed head coach of the team. We talk a little bit about the circumstances of that in our conversation. He's a fantastic human being, a wonderfully humble, uh, really deliberate, really disciplined individual who taught me a lot about how to balance the profound dynamics and variables that come with uh, managing and optimizing a professional sports team. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Uh, without any further ado, Coach Caetano Tembo. So, Coach Caetano, thank you so much for taking time out of what is, we were just discussing what a busy schedule it's been this year as we've dealt with modified league scheduling and different player rhythms. But before we talk about the work that you're doing at Supersport United at the moment, I'd love to go back in time. And I want to ask you about your journey towards professional sports as a career. And I mean, if, if I think about my career and my childhood, there was a moment in my youth where I remember feeling a very strong propensity or a strong draw towards a specific journey. What is the earliest memory you had of wanting to build a career or embark on a journey of professional sports? Well, I think uh, it started way you know, back uh, yeah. as, a, as a teenager when I was about six. I think uh, it was around in the 70s. And during that time, it was only football, soccer, you know, street football, in fact, with no rules. So that's the only sport we had to play. And uh, I developed, you know, the liking of the game uh, during that time because you could only play, you know, soccer the whole day. And that really helped me to develop my skills in terms of, you know, technical abilities in mm -hmm. the game as well as, you know, the competitive age because during those days you had no one to report to. Uh, if you lose, uh, you might even also get beaten as well. And uh, it was also... Oh, you come know, on, coach, you never lost a game, right? <laughs> well, we did, you know, as youngsters because we always had to compete, you know, sure, against sure. each other. And uh, it became also about, uh, you know, betting. So we will also, we used to call it money game. Okay. Uh, whereby I'll come with my 10 cents or the, it's one rand and then we bet. Uh, the winner takes all. And that's where we built our competitive edge, you know, as, as, as kids, as youngsters and also mental toughness. And that's where the journey started. So you grew up in Zim, right? I grew up in Zim in a small, you know, town called uh, Kadoma. Okay. Uh, it's about 270 k from, uh, from the capital city, Arari. And when did your journey towards professional football start? Uh, 
it started way when I was still at uh, school, yes. at high school, because I was playing for a second division team and still go to school. And uh, I think they ended up even paying for my school fees. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and I think that's where it started. And after I finished school, I got signed by Dynamos, which mm-hmm. is the biggest club in Zimbabwe. And from there on, I never looked back. Never looked back. Well, I suppose if you were playing money game uh, as a youngster, you were already a professional footballer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you started at Dynamos, a biggest team in Zim. You enjoyed a, a successful professional career. When did the journey from playing to coaching start? When did that transition start to happen? Uh, well, I think I started thinking about that, uh, I think in 2000. Uh, year 2000, I got involved in a very serious, you know, car accident, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I broke my right humerus, mm, mm. and it took a little bit long for me, you know, to really come back. And in sure. that time as well, uh, I started getting, you know, few responsibilities, you know, because I couldn't do anything. Mm, mm. And uh, I remember Pizzo used to, you know, just call me. Uh, and say, can you record this game? Can you analyze this game? And then okay. tell me what's going on. And that's when I started thinking about coaching as well. And I think it helped me as well to see the game from a different angle because when, you, when you're when a player and a coach, it's a little bit difficult. It's different. You see the game differently. And uh, that helped me to understand what the coaches want uh, tactically uh, when you look at it from a you know coaching point of view mm. rather than from mm. a player point of view. Definitely. So it sounds like the transition was by and large forced upon you because of this this accident, because of this very severe injury. But it also sounds like you always had a bit of a an aptitude for coaching and for leadership, which Coach Pitzel must have seen uh, and identified early on based on the fact that he was drawing you into analysis and into getting involved in his team as such. Yeah, it's uh, something which I always had. Uh, all the teams that I've played, I've captained. Dynamos, I was a captain, and as well as the second division, which I played for as a youngster, I was also, you know, the captain. Okay. And I think those skills were honed in my early ages as a kid playing mm. in the street mm. because, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it was always, it was survival of the fittest. You, you had to survive. Because I remember in primary school, I didn't want to play for the school team because of what I would see. The teachers were the coaches. Mm, and mm. there was no coaching. It was just, mm. you know, 11 versus 11 go and play. Mm, mm. And I remember this other game, uh, we were playing at home. So we had to change in the classrooms uh, when you're playing at home. Yeah. So at halftime, we were losing, I think, 2 nil. Yeah. And all the teacher did when we went back into the classroom, he beat us, you know, he beat the hell of, out, out of us. And he said, if you're going to lose this game again, sec- uh, after the game, you're coming back into the classroom. Physically beat you or emotionally beat you? Physically beating us with a, with a shambo. You can't do that in, in Supersport United anymore. Now you anymore, can't huh? do that yeah, okay. anymore. <laughs> but remember, it was a long back. <laughs> no, no. And uh, there was corporal punishment at that time. Sure. So it was, it was normal. Talk about survival of the fittest. Yeah, yeah and we came back. Uh, we went back. We played. We won four two, and that's how you know. And, and you were forced to play. You couldn't, you know, refuse to play because I remember at some point yeah. I'll fake with a you know sickness so that I don't go and play. You know, because we were scared. But we got used to that, and I think it it also helped us 
Whereas that you can use in you know modern day football. Do you feel like you've always been a leader? Like you were born a leader? Yeah, yeah, because I think I've always got responsibilities of leading a team and uh, I I've always been disciplined. I am always on time mm-hmm. and uh, time is very important to me. Mm. And uh, mm. even now uh, I would want, you know, if I'm going to give you time, if I'm going to come early, I would want you to do the same. Yes. And, you know, take seriously, you know, to what you do, you know, because careers are very important. And uh, for for us, you know, as coaches, if you become a coach, you know, players sometimes they reflect on you, you know, your behavior. And the team plays like you. And, mm. Mm. and that's what happens. So you've got to be a very good leader in terms of, you know, leading your team and be a perfect example for your team. Yeah, the importance of timing and punctuality is an ongoing debate between me and my wife, but that's probably for another discussion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is something that's said a lot about you, by your colleagues, by your players, even by the stakeholders around the team, um, your management that I've spoken to. They speak about you being extremely disciplined, extremely deliberate was the word that was used. You're a very deliberate individual, but also your leadership style is very deliberate, very um, process-driven. Where did that come from? Was that taught to you? Uh, did you learn that from other coaches that you either were an assistant coach to or that you played under? Where did that influence come from? Uh, there, there are quite a lot of people who played mm. a, a major role in, in me. You know, as an individual, because I remember as a player, I remember being told each and every time a training that you always train the way you play. Mm. And uh, a training, I was the same. In matches, I was the same. So my coach, his name is Sandy Chizamba. He mm. was a national team coach. He liked that a lot. Mm. And he, he always, you know, put me as an example to the rest of the team that uh, the way you train, is the way you play. Mm, mm. And that was quite, you know, important to me to take that. But at the same time, I think uh, when you play and you have to move from being a player to a coach, you've got to change a little bit. So I worked with a lot of coaches. I've worked with Peter Simani. I've worked, worked with uh, Coach Gavin Hunt. I've mm, worked mm, with mm. Coach Gordon Higgins. And I've worked with Eric Stuart Tingler, Baxter. Stuart yeah. Baxter. Yeah. And those coaches have got different qualities. Yes. And for me, I was looking for someone who was a little bit different, mm. you know, in terms of how they manage the squad. And I think uh, I picked a few things with all these other coaches, but the coach who really made a huge difference to me was uh, Coach Stuart Baxter because he showed me, you know, that you've got to look after the human being first, mm. and which has a, a little bit different from previous coaches you know you know because they were they, their own qualities mm. you know in terms of how they want the team to behave you know on and off the pitch in terms of discipline they were very ruthless whereas uh, Stuart Baxter was he, he, he gave you know players his players responsibilities he wanted them to be responsible and be accountable mm. to their mm. actions so he's one person who really helped me in mm. terms of that, uh, because that's one thing I was looking for. How to how do I do this? Because when you are playing, there are certain things that you don't love, you don't like, and you say, I don't want to be a coach like this. And I pick up this from this coach, but yes. this I'm not going to pick up. 
so those are the simple things which I got from uh, Coach Stewart where he would say to me, look, I want to try and show you that South African players are very intelligent players. Mm. And mm. if you give them responsibilities, they'll embrace it. They'll embrace it. Mm. And that was very powerful, you know, for me. And I loved that. And I had to create a more like a family environment. For us, it's, it's more of a family whereby we look after each other. We've got our own circle uh, where we are allowed to make mistakes in that circle and we try and protect each other in that mm. circle. And if you go out of that circle, we'll try and, and bring you back in there because that's where you are protected, you know, in that circle. Mm. And what is done there, it's not personal. Mm. Uh, it's how they kind of like put it, you know, like it's business. And when you work with young players, young players need to gain your trust as well. When they trust you, they will do anything for you. Hmm. That's a given. And they need to know as well that I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to be protected. Hmm. It's hmm. not going to be personal. I'm still going to get an opportunity. If I work hard, I'll get an opportunity to showcase my talent. If I make a mistake, I'm still going to get an opportunity to correct that mistake. It's always not easy because you are dealing with the different, you know, characters with mm, different characteristics and uh, it's always you know not you know the same but we try by all means to make them understand that we are a family we trust each other so interesting that you say that because it reminds me of my conversation with Desiree Ellis where she was talking about pretty much the exact same philosophy of the importance of identity and belonging and a team culture and instilling that culture especially when it comes to shared accountability i was also really interested in hearing what you said around adapting your leadership style by taking the very best characteristics of the different people who've played a significant role in your journey, but not necessarily trying to emulate them exactly. And I think that's true for leadership in every sector, whether it's business or even political leadership or civil society. There are established models and modes of leadership that we look at and go, well, if I was just more like that, then I would achieve those things. And what I think we've got to learn is that each of us brings something unique to the table, something special. That's why we've achieved what we've achieved. And the skill is, is identifying what makes you a uniquely special and a uniquely skilled leader, but then adapting and augmenting, if you like, that with, as you said, the insights that come from the experiences of others. You, you spoke about the importance of youth in your team. And I think that's specifically prevalent because of Supersport United's commitment to building a, a pipeline through its academy. And it's well known uh, for the successes of that academy. How do you balance this tide of youthfulness and this talent coming up through the ranks with experience? And I mean, you, there's absolutely no substitute for experience. How do you balance youth and experience when you think about building the team for the long term? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a challenge. I think mm. uh, it's not just youth. It's not just any young player, you know, gets that opportunity. You've got mm. to, to, to have the right young players who've got hunger and desire to succeed. Mm. That's, mm. that's the first one. And the second one is all when you, you have a lot of young players and you have that ambition, you know, to bring in a lot of young players, you need also very good senior players who are prepared to come in and guide yes. you know those young players yes. because if you have the wrong senior players to guide the youngsters then you've got a problem yes 
I can take for example we've got a player like Ronwin Williams who's the captain of the team. Mm-hmm. He's he's been in the, in the club since he was 18. I've sure. coached him at the academy and uh, you know he's a true reflection of a Super Sport United mm-hmm. player and we use him an extension of the club. Exactly. Yeah. We use him as how, how can I put it? As someone who the youngsters can look up to. Mm, mm, a role say, model. In yeah. lo, a role model and say, I want to be like him. Mm. And uh, there is also Bongani Kumalo, mm. who was once the captain of the team. He's played in Europe, mm-hmm. disciplined, professional. Uh, he's prepared, you know, to help the youngsters. And it doesn't matter whether he plays or he doesn't play, but he still plays that role, you know, mm. without any problems. Mm. As well as uh, we've got Brevi Hrobla, true professional. Mm. Uh, a good player as well mm-hmm. and uh, they always real, real journeyman players that are willing to put in the work exactly yeah. and uh, and they are selfless you know you know players who are prepared to benefit from working also with the young players because mm. the well, young players can also bring you energy mm. in the in the team and so when you have young players you know and you have senior players looking up to those guys uh, then it becomes a little bit more diffi- easier I mean to try and bringing more young players in the team otherwise you you have problems because young players as well you know sometimes it's not easy and you've got to teach them in terms of media when a little bit you know if they see their names in the papers you know one or two times they can you know be they can lose it mm, mm. and they also lack in terms of consistency mm. uh, and you need everyone around those young players to be able to pull them back into line and that's what that's what we're trying to do yeah it's, i mean it's true i think for any level of professional sport anywhere around the world where you're dealing with exceptionally young players we forget i mean if i think about what i was doing at the age of 23 <laughs> and being under that level of pressure yeah with that level of scrutiny having the media watching you every weekend you know having people talk about you in social media i don't know how i would have handled that at the same age so i don't envy you know these young men and women that pressure at all but yeah i'm sure your job is to bring balance and bring perspective you're not just managing their professional careers you're managing their self esteem you're managing their energy all of these different dynamics that contribute towards their ability to perform uh, for the team you know you spoke a little bit about setting up different players as as role models how do you think about sort of delegating responsibility to those players because you spoke about how Pitzel did the very same thing with you where he identified your leadership qualities very early on and and do you do you think you're a good delegator do you enjoy giving people responsibility do you find it hard to do no that's uh, for me that's the only way you can do it i think you cannot do it alone yeah can't do it all uh, yourself yeah because um, sometimes players need to be comfortable to speak to any member of the technical team yeah and we also have uh, someone like uh, uh, Tabo September, this Andrea Rains, mm-hmm. this Grant, you know Johnson. All those, you know, uh, guys played for 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 the team. Mm-hmm. They've been with the club, you know, probably the same years as, as I have. So they are always there to to play a role in terms of managing the young players and the team as well, because you can't really do it alone. Sometimes you need them to go and express themselves you know differently as, as long as you'll get the information because you'll know what is going on but let others you know sometimes you know handle that tabo september was a, a the club ambassador mm. so sometimes yeah. we bring them to just come and speak with the players as well as jabu mahlangu 
they come and speak to the players and tell them and share what they've gone through what they what is it that they've done wrong and they need to try and make sure that the players are away that you mm. go to make sure I don't follow in the same path as I did because you are at a very good club and make sure that you maximize your potential in this environment Great podcasts don't happen without great guests and great guests don't happen without great partners. This show wouldn't be possible without the help of Forward Zone. Find them at forwardzone.com. They're a global sports management specialist with a core focus on strategic consulting, experiential activations, and of course, talent management. And then Platform 45, who's come on board to sponsor a couple of episodes now. They're a software company. They're data-driven, design-thinking problem solvers, just like my guests. And they've done work for fintech startups, mining giants, pioneering entrepreneurs, and telecoms, amongst others. We thank them so much for their support. Please go check out their websites at forwardzone.com and platform45.com and enjoy the rest of the show. Supersport United has a reputation for hiring externally, generally speaking, very high-profile coaches and using those high-profile coaches to, you know, kind of accelerate the club's progress and really evolve the culture of the team um, and of the of the organization. You were you were uh, hired internally, which is a testimony to obviously their faith in you as a leader, and I think the amount of investment you have or they have in you as as a stakeholder within the team. What is your proudest moment as the you know kind of as the well as the current coach? But if you look back on the last five years, what is your proudest moment uh, in in the SuperSport United organization? Uh, well, I think for me, my proudest moment was we, I was working with Coach Stewart at mm. Baxter mm. that moment, and we were in the in the in the Confederations Cup. Yeah, and they gave me a responsibility when Coach Stewart was sick, and also I think the other. You know, person who's played a huge role in my coaching career as well as a player. It was uh, the CEO, mm, Mr. Stanley mm, Matthews. Of course. He has shown uh, so much, you know, confidence in me mm. and trust because you cannot just be given such a huge responsibility because Passport is a, is a huge brand. Sure, sure. And during that time, we had to travel to countries like Senegal, uh, Lubumbashi, DRC, playing... Um, at TP Mazembe and we were in the Confederations Cup and I remember uh, when I when they asked me to take the club you know into Africa we were I think we were second from bottom we had to qualify to go to the group stages mm, mm. and I took that responsibility and took the team into the group stages and we ended up getting into the uh, in the final we lost in the final and it did a lot in terms of building the the club the, the brand you know in the continent because i remember everywhere we would go everyone would know about supersport united and then after that the second time they showed confidence in me was when the team was struggling i think we were 14th on the log mm, and mm. we were two points above relegation and we were about seven games to go mm, and they mm. gave me the responsibility to save the club mm. from uh, from relegation and I remember the CEO saying to me, go and do your best. We trust you. And we know, you know that you can do it. Wow. And 
that was powerful for me that uh, this club is worth uh, probably 80 million and they are giving that You've responsibility been the of it, to me yeah. and it was very emotional for me and I think we ended up finishing 7th uh, unbelievable yeah and the following season they gave me the responsibility to be the head coach and since then uh, we had also to try and make sure that we cut the average age with mm. the, the squad mm. and a lot mm. of players have, have left and I can remember we had players like Tusopala, mm. Tef Mashamaite, Morgan Gold, Renoele Litsolonyane, James Keane, uh, Dean Fehman, Tabo mm. Myamane, uh, Clayton Daniels and along those years all those players have left mm. and the team you know, has changed a lot but still we've stayed competitive and we've given a lot of, you know, opportunities to young players like Luke Flores, Jamiwe, uh, Basipombule, Teboho Mkwena, who are now, you know, playing for the national team. Sure. As sure. well as Kenan Phillips, uh, or, uh, Jesse Don. Mm. All those youngsters are getting opportunities and it's only the vision of the club uh, because I cannot do it alone. Yeah, uh, that's where the CEO plays a huge role in terms of so for showing me, you know, the direction which the club wants to take, and it is my responsibility to make sure that it works. And I've had also a technical team that has been very supportive. Mm, mm. Uh, people have been working hard behind the scenes. Sometimes they don't get to be recognized, but at the same time, I think they do the jobs, you know, perfectly. And we give them, you know, space. You know, to try and you know also make make mistakes in their in their fields and still be able to correct and improve mm, mm. Uh, because we are dealing also with a lot of young players we've got an academy which we which is also producing those young players and they need a pathway you know because of course we've lost quite a lot of players you know in the years before because we didn't have a proper pathway where uh, those players will know that if I'm the best, if I work hard, I've got an opportunity to go to the first team. And now we've got that pathway whereby any youngster at our academy knows that there is an opportunity to play for the first team. And that's what we're trying to to create. And it has really worked mm. you know, for us. And also credit should go to the academy coaches who have been working very hard as well, working with those young players, which we will be able to you know, bring into the first team. Well, I think it must say a lot for, we've spoken about this a lot, but it's worth repeating that it says a lot for the culture of the club, the ethos of the club. If you can have significant changes in personnel, if you can lose some of the big names that you've mentioned and the club's vision and its direction stays the same, then then it just shows that the club is bigger than any one player or even bigger than a group of players. And that's difficult to get right difficult to maintain it's a very it's a very powerful and very precious thing <laughs> that you have to look after that is essentially your job now i asked you what you were most proud of do you have any regrets anything you would have done differently yeah there is always you know regrets uh, where i feel that uh, for us as a club and i say us because it's always important not to make it a one man show mm, and it's since 2010, I think uh, we've won the league, you know, we've won the treble. Mm -hmm. uh, and since 2010, we've never really been in the top favor. Mm. Uh, for me, that's it's something that I always look and say, you know, we could have done better mm. and stayed as a top team. And 
be uh, always there in the top three, as well as playing in the Confederations Cup or as well as, you know, CAF Champions League because we had done so much in terms of, you know, building our brand and spreading spreading it into the whole of Africa. Mm, mm. And you need to do that consistently. And we haven't been there for the past four seasons, I think. And for me, that's one area which I have regret that we could do better and stay there. And this season, we're trying to push hard so that we get that CAF, you know, slot so that we can go back, you know, into Africa because most of our young players who are playing now, you know, they made their debuts playing in difficult and harsh conditions, you know, mm. in Africa, and that built them. And we've kind of lost that a little bit. And I spoke about Sipombule and mm. Tebokom Kwena. They made their debuts in, in a place like Sudan. Mm where the conditions were very tough yeah. but it toughened them up as well it helped them you know to realize that uh, look we are in a better situation sure. because also they've got to see how other people live in different sure. countries sure. and that builds them as human beings as well and i think that's one area i feel that we can do better mm. and try and make sure that we can go back there and expose our young players to such you know conditions perspective well. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. I want to talk to you a little bit about your investment back into Zimbabwe. I know you've set up a foundation there. My exposure and experience with Zimbabwean teams and Zimbabwean sports people is limited, obviously, being South African. But the rare privilege that I've had of working with professional sports people that come from Zimbabwe or live in Zimbabwe has always been exceptional. There seems to be a real culture of, I, I had the privilege of training under Temba Garimbo, who was um, Zimbabwe sports person of the year last year. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do MMA. He beats me up uh, or used to beat <laughs> me up on a weekly basis. Yeah. But there is this real commitment to excellence, an absolute drive that I... I don't always see from other sports people. There's zero entitlement, zero ego. Talk to me a little bit about this magic that comes from so many Zimbabwean sports people that I, you know, I think of what the Zimbabwean cricket team as an example has been through and yet it still continues to perform and it still has this incredible culture of excellence and achievement against the odds. You must be really excited about seeing young talent come up through the ranks in Zimbabwe. Tell me what makes Zimbabwean sports people so incredibly special. Look, I think uh, we 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 know different to anyone else, but I think we also. Ah, I think you are. <laughs> we not. I think we come from uh, humble beginnings. That's uh, the first point because uh, when you come from such backgrounds, the other things we we look beyond money. I think uh, mm. it's mm. enjoyment first. Mm. That's that's very important. As long as we love what we're doing, mm. uh, the rest will follow. And if you look at it, uh, our sports people as well as well, any athlete in Zimbabwe, it's the work ethic. You know that's very important it's to us. Yeah, we've got a very good you know work ethic, mm. and I always try and you know preach that to my players. Yes, that work ethic is very key, and that's what we have. And I think that has been the cornerstone of, you know, our success, you know, as, as athletes, you know, you know, from Zimbabwe. So you've clearly over the years, both as a player, as an assistant coach and as a head coach, 
refined a method of bringing teams together, teams of diverse individuals, older players, younger players, sometimes more talented, the stars and the other people that are the harder workers that, you know, every football team has that dynamic. They've got the people that everybody focuses on and then the guys <laughs> actually make it happen. I think the same is true even for business people, for uh, anybody who has to build a team of any sorts and to ensure that that team performs at its best capability. What advice would you give to people who are listening, who are responsible for teams? What are the, the golden nuggets that you know are absolutely true for any kind of team of people that you would want to share with people who are listening to the show to motivate them? I think the first one is to tie and balance entertainment as well as business mm. because football has become a huge business. Oh, I yeah. think it's a, it's a game of billions mm. and you can never separate that as much as we want to entertain, but we must also be aware that the people who you know, it's an investment for someone else and we've got to take care of that. And I always also tell the youngsters as well that you've got to become a business person as a footballer because your responsibility is to, to make money mm -hmm. and also make sure that the, the owner of the club, you know, also he, he has to make money. Or, yeah, yeah. Because each and every, you know, club is worth probably 50 million mm -hmm. and it's an investment for someone. So you've got to try and balance that mm -hmm. and make sure that uh, it's for us to understand that business and sport are the same. Mm. And uh, our players sometimes, they tend to think that when they can make a few, you know, dollars, and they forget about the investor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got to try and make sure that you think about the investor uh, because three points are worth a lot of money, you know, in our league. Uh, as much as we mm. have contracts because we get our money at the end of the month, uh, I've got, uh, when you have a three-year contract, you start thinking about your contract, you stop focusing on playing football. Yeah, yeah. Or you, start, you know, you should be start thinking about the next contract. Yeah. And uh, because you've got this one in the back, for you to get the next one, you've got to perform and make sure that the club, you know, also is successful. And then together, we can be successful, and we can be successful as individuals as well. So what I'm getting out of that, Coach, is that no matter how talented the individual, uh, no matter how much money is involved, there is always something bigger to be aware of. The whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts. And as uh, whether I'm the coach or the leader or the manager of that uh, team, whether it's a business team or a sports team, or I'm an individual within that team, I've got to understand what that bigger picture is. And I've got to understand my role in that bigger picture in order to perform at my best. Coach, it's been a real privilege spending time talking to you and learning from your wisdom and your experience. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with Super Sports United over the next couple of seasons, even though I'm a Chiefs fan and it's been a painful <laughs> period for us. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I need some sympathy. But <laughs> no, that's part of sport. It, happens, oh, it is ups and downs. Ups and eh? downs yeah. What do they say? You don't appreciate a sunny day if you never have a rainy yeah, day. Exactly, so. yeah. oh, I'm a Spurs fan and a Chiefs fan, so it's been a very bad time for us. But at least Spurs look like they're waking up right now. But it's been a great privilege. I can't wait to see uh, what's going to happen over the next couple of seasons. And I'm really looking forward to following your progress. And I hope to connect again soon. Thank you so much for making time to chat to us today. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to the One-Eyed Man podcast. I'm Mike Stopforth, an entrepreneur, writer, and public speaker, deeply curious about discovering better ways to lead and better ways to live 
in an increasingly complex world. I find the best source of these ideas is the experience and wisdom of interesting people who are taking unconventional approaches to solving the world's most compelling problems. If you'd like to hear from someone I haven't yet spoken to, visit mikestopforth.com, click on the podcast link, and send through your suggestions. A big thanks to the Solid Gold Podcast Studios in Johannesburg, South Africa, for making this production possible. And remember, in the land of the blind, a one-eyed man slash person is king. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.